designed with women in mind as we delve into what it means to be a true follower of Christ and how to navigate our daily lives, my prayer is simply that my speech will be theologically sound and that our words will be encouraging and life-giving. We will have different guests in the weeks to come and will be looking from various perspectives while staying ever true to God's Word. The title of the podcast is Beautiful Imperfection, As we go about our busy, chaotic lives, we tend to focus on the doing and not the being of who God created us to be. We sometimes get it backwards. In this podcast, we will discuss from week to week the being, our identity in Christ, produces the doing, and that the doing is an overflow of who we are in Him. We are imperfect in every way, but Jesus is perfect. The beauty in our imperfection is Him. So wherever you are in your season of life, if you're in your car, in your laundry room, or sitting in your favorite chair, grab a cup of coffee and take a deep breath. Relax and listen in as we look and talk about what being in Christ really means and how the Bible explains that it is not our imperfection that makes or breaks us, but that it is his perfection that covers us and that we can find rest in that promise. Then we serve him out of an abundance of love that only comes through him. Lean in with us. Here we go. Hi, everyone. We're so excited that you've joined us today and can't wait to get into the podcast today. I am here with Lindsay Harris and Rontina DeGraffenreid. Um, you are in for a treat today as Rontina shares her story with us. And Rontina is a wife and mom uh, to David Wilde and Aurora and is the communications director here. And I don't want to give away too much because there's so much in Rontina's life and so much that she does. And I would like for you, for her to tell her story to you. So Rontina, tell us your story and what God has done in your life. Um, and, and it hasn't been an easy road, I know. And I thank you for sharing with us this morning. So take it away. (laughs) Thank you all so much. And it's good to be here with my friends. And also, you know, I count Jared in that because uh, Jared has came on our staff and I work with him closely. And it's fun because you know people, but do you really know them? You know, do you really know um, when somebody, you know, wants you to share your testimony or you feel God putting on you to share your testimony? um, It's kind of hard to know, like, what that is, what part of my testimony do you really want to know, or how well do you really want to get to know me? All of it. <laughs> yeah, That's like how, yeah. how comfortable do you, are we going to be? Um, I think those are all the things that run through my head. And um, and first off, I just want to say, whoever is out there listening, I'm sharing this for you. Mm-hmm. This isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, I feel like when I share my testimony to help someone see and meet Jesus for the first time, they get it. Mm-hmm. Um, they understand where I've been. Um, a lot of times when you share your testimony with other believers, they're not looking at it through those eyes, right? Exactly. <laughs> like they're, yeah. they're looking at it through like, wow, she really did a number on herself. Or, right. you know, like you kind of like you're telling yourself that in your head. So, um, so for me, I really want to point out that um, – just talking about these things and bringing up the past and who I am, I don't regret my life that's led me to here because it's led me to here. And like you said, I get to be Aurora's mom and David Wilde's mom and right. Alex's stepmom. So I'm a stepmom yes. too. Yeah. 
And, um, and so I don't regret what got me here and also getting to be the communications director of a church, which mm-hmm. 10 years ago, if somebody would have said that they'd have laughed you out the room, uh, because that did not match with the life that I was living 10 years ago and, um, and the life I was living 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I guess my testimony really starts as a kid, which I've shared that part. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, we did a, um, what was it? Gosh, back before COVID right. 2019, we did, uh, the Robbie Galati, is how you say his last name? Galati. Galati, sorry. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. Robbie Galati. Uh, in in like, my mind, like it was Galati. It's kind of like your last name. You know, you have to really sound it out. <laughs> yeah, in it does Carline, look like Galanty. Yeah, in yes. Carline, they're always like Aurora de Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of trail off at the end. But yeah. uh, but we did that here at church on Wednesday nights, and it was a group of women, and it was awesome. And at the end of it, we all shared our testimonies. Well, when it's five women sharing with a group of women, you get like two minutes. So for me, the point to share was, is, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. Both my parents, uh, my dad was a bivocational pastor. My parents were church planters. I grew up with missionaries living in my house, not just coming to stay, but, you know, uh, pastors who were traveling or association people in the Southern Baptist Convention would be living with us while they're doing work in Appalachia. And, um, and I grew up being a GA and going to Ridgecrest and, and living that life. Okay, tell everybody what a GA is. Oh, yeah, and Girls in Action. Yes, <laughs> Girls in Action. Um, so it's kind of Mission Kids, Mission Friends is how it starts. And then it divides between the boys and the girls group, and then you get back together as ACT Teens. And, um, yeah. and so it was, you know, an initiative back. Um, some smaller churches probably still, still participate do and do yeah. it. Yeah, so I, I was raised with that. I still have my GA sticker in my Bible. and an old Yeah, and my sash. <laughs> and, and I've got my cooperative program stuff. So, yeah. um, so I was really raised in it and loved it. And I was saved when I was 11 at Vacation Bible School. And that's the part when people want to hear your testimony, they're like, okay, the end. Yeah, everything right. is all roses everything after that. Great. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What a cute little kid. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, you know, yeah. like that's been, Aww. no, Yeah. So, uh, so from that point, where we're going to super start is, um, you know, I had all the tools and I really thank my parents for giving me that lifestyle and that life. And it was work, you know, having me there on Wednesdays, Sunday mornings. And while it was my dad's job, it was work to get us there because he was bivocational. So he came from his other job, which was a judge. So my dad was a state judge in West Virginia and a pastor. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to my, and he had two daughters. So just let the, let the thoughts go. Uh, My sister and I, my sister Moore was more of the stereotypical teenager. I was still very much, um, just did everything at the appropriate age, I would say. You know, I didn't party in high school. I didn't do things like that. I was very much the saved by the bell childhood. My mm-hmm. sister was more of 90210. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you got to compare. Uh, so she got some wild oats out early. And, um, and then we, uh, you know, going to college, I went to my dad's alma mater. And um, he told me that if I went to church, he would get me a car. Because uh, freshmen were not allowed to have cars on campus, but I was going to his alma mater, so he got me a parking spot at the law school, and then he got me a parking spot at the church that he pastored at when he was in law school there. So again, like this is like the loftiness that like the structure that I'm built in, mm-hmm. and um, and that's all great if you're fed. So when you're a pastor's kid, lots of times people just assume you are Jesus by osmosis. Yes. Or you ask mine like, about that. They yes. know. People, yeah. people think that pastor's kids get witnessed to or get fed yeah. or get discipled. 
and a lot of them, I mean, churches, people in churches who are listening, love on your pastor's kids because lots of times the pastor's really busy and focused on outside things. And so is pastor's wife. And that was my parents that, um, we don't get the attention that maybe other kids do, which is why there's sometimes that PK or MK mentality or stereotype that we're going to be trouble. It's, you know, a lot of times church is just business for the kid of a pastor. Right. And you were so often expected to know more than other kids just because you were the pastor's kid. Yes. I mean, I know so often, I mean, I can tell stories about my kids, but one I can think about um, right off the top of my head was that there were asked some questions in Sunday school in small groups, as we call them now, but Sunday schools, what we used to call them, and same thing. And so um, they didn't always want to answer the questions. But if nobody else answered the questions, guess who got called on? Mm -hmm. And this was the thing. If they didn't know the answer to the question, the person would say, well, you should know the answer to that. You're the pastor's kid. Mm -hmm. So my answer to my children to tell them was... I should not know the answer to that question any more than your child should know the answer to that question. Yes. Because you have to be able to figure those things out for your own and and not be expected to do something just because they've put a title on you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that you felt that so often. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't have, um, my sister and I identified more a lot of times with being judge's child versus pastor's child because he was bivocational and it was a small country church but um and and it was a church plant of my parents the goal was they had been successful church planners for the southern baptist convention across southern west virginia and into virginia in that area but um this one church was close to where we lived and they never could get a pastor to stick Mm. so dad decided like okay this is going to be our home church and this is the one so it also wasn't in my community Mm-hmm. like my exact little tiny town and y'all know small towns, like it was in the next small town over. Um, so there was even a disconnect there for us. So we got a lot of stuff put on us that we didn't understand. And my sister was older and she um, internalized it way more mm-hmm. than I did. Um, I was the youngest, so I was just kind of aloof to it and just uh, lived in it. And, um, and so we also, you know, now I don't raise my kids, I hope, I'll have to ask Aurora, um, for what we do. But back then in that time, in that era of life in the 80s and the 90s, um, we very much were what our parents are. Mm-hmm. And especially pastor's kids, you know, get that. So, um, so I grew up in that and didn't have anybody investing in me except for the initial like vacation Bible school, the hard push to get saved. And then now what? And I really identify when you shared your testimony, Pam, about that too, is um, – the what's next step mm-hmm. is just as important for us as a church body than getting people to the altar, you know, to meet Jesus and, um, and, and sharing what the gospel has done for us. It, it's important for, okay, how do we now grow a Christian, you know? And, and I feel like I was kind of on my own through that because like I said, the, the focus was building this church in a church plant environment mm-hmm. and not about building up kids who were at that church Um, so, so by the time I got to college and I was like, heck yeah, get me the car. I'm going to, you know, (laughs) I will go wherever you want me to go. Mm -hmm. So then I step into another church where my dad had been in college, where he was ordained, where, um, you know, some really popular big families in that Morgantown area went. 
and there was expectations immediately for what Ronnie McCann's daughter was going to be at this church. Mm-hmm. I was a freshman in college, first time I'd ever went away from home. I was four hours away. I was at the number one party school in the country. Oh, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... And here the I am. Temptations. <laughs> temptations, you know. I mean, I could do the math on that. <laughs> yeah. It was not a good time. Um, I tried, but when people, you know, have that thought of what you're supposed to be already, it doesn't matter who you are, you're never going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell y'all, like, that doesn't matter, but it doesn't help me saying it out loud. Everybody would tell me in that point in my life, too, what people think of you doesn't matter. Um, it absolutely matters sometimes when you're internalizing things and when you're putting stuff on yourself. And so if you're out there and you feel like just because the world has painted you of who you're going to be, you just have to accept that and move through it and push Mm -hmm. through it and be who you are and don't let it box you in. So again, I wasn't being me. I wasn't discovering who I am in Christ and who Christ is in me. I was living out who I was supposed to be because I was Ronnie and Tina's daughter. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the name, come on, Ron and Tina. Like they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I never really got to be me. Like, who am I? Who, who did Christ call me to be? So I never, in the early years, in the infancy of my Christianity, uh, ever explored or thought about a calling. It was more like a duty. Did knowledge basically kind of numb you out in a way where like you, you literally lived in the church to this point and you know you were around the mm-hmm. Christians and, and all around with activities and so forth, but it became numbing to you to the point where it was not emotionally affecting you and your life and your spiritual life? Exactly. Like the Holy Spirit <laughs> and I did not intersect very much. Um, you know, I understood God the Father, God the Son. I understood the the supremacy of God mm-hmm. and um Jesus and I completely 1000% embrace um, the stories of the Bible mm-hmm. and and what Jesus did, the virgin birth, um, uh, grace. Like I, I got those things, but I did not have fruit of the spirit beyond. You that. had all the knowledge, but not yeah. the experiencing no. of it. No, um, very yeah. immature. Right. Very, very immature for me. Right. And point. I think, I mean, you mentioned my testimony. I haven't shared that part of my testimony on a podcast before, but just to fill you in a little bit, I grew up in church, went to a small church. You came forward, you got saved. And like you said, then what? So I didn't grow for many, many years because I didn't know what to do. I look back and think of some people that I can look at and say, hey, I did grow from that, but not, it was um, I don't know, maybe that was unintentional. Mm-hmm. I try to be very intentional, obviously now, and, and we all do and in our growth. But I was 23 years old and started to question, had I ever really received Christ? I was pregnant at the time and was thinking, how would I tell my, how, how am I going to tell my child about this? Because all I know is I got fire insurance. (laughs) I I was saved. I wasn't going to hell. I was going to heaven, Uh but there's a really dry spot in between that. Mm -hmm. So you have the good girl syndrome Mm -hmm. of I'm living all the things that I know to do. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do these things, but really why? What is, I mean, my identity was not um, identified at that point. Yeah, it's yeah. it, and you know I think a lot of people out there who are looking, especially the age we live in now with our young people, is um, the who am I? What is my identity? And even so far as 
going outside of, you know, gender lines to try to identify and grasp and find something to believe in and find something to identify with. A lot of that is because we need help at that stage in your life. And that's a part and, and whether it be through Christian maturity, that stage of an infant Christian or a young person mm-hmm. before they've met and, and accepted uh, Christ into their lives, um, people need help. And a lot of times we just mask. I mean, you know, like it, that's a term that people masking, you know, like you're masking at this and that gets exhausting. And eventually there is going to be a fuse lit where it, everything's going to implode. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for me, I still can't say that that point was college because I did meet um, this wonderful family who was our Baptist Student Union or BSU um, leaders. They were missionaries um, in the Morgantown area, and um, they actually started discipling me, and that was fantastic. It was a married couple. They had a young daughter, and I, you know, I became the, but of course, I became the president of the Baptist Student Union. I couldn't just be in the Baptist Student Union, right? Of course, of course, that's your you status, know, right? Yeah. That's the that's a different sash, but yeah, different sash. different from GAs. But exactly. you're still there. Yes, I had to be the president of the Baptist Union. I couldn't just be in it. You know, I I couldn't just be present and be there. I had to lead it um, because that's just who I was supposed to be. So again, it's it's this what the world expects me to be and what God has called me to be versus me finding out what all that is. And um, and for me, it really took, we went to Utah for the summer um, and went on a mission trip. And people kept saying things like, my faith was childlike, but as a compliment, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, oh, you have a childlike faith. You have, you know, you have this. Well, it's because... I take it all for a given for granted. I had not explored it. I had not ever challenged it. Mm-hmm. So they were right. But but I guess looking internally, that was not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> that was not. It's like, oh, you believe this or you accept this. or and, it, and I still do. Like I have a fierce, um, I think one of my spiritual gifts is discernment. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what they were trying to identify is I really know when somebody's trying to sell me the farm or not, you know, like <laughs> I, I'm there. Um, and so lots of times I'm able to like get behind, uh, you know, what somebody's thinking, what somebody's saying. And so for me, I just accept the Bible because it is the Bible and it is, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and a lot of the students I was in that group with had already had the challenging parts or maybe weren't raised in the home like I, I was raised in. And, and had met those challenges earlier. So I have to say, like, it's not woe is me, poor Ron Tina, this was your life. It was, I'm saying I had an amazingly blessed life, mm-hmm. and I'm the one who decided to throw it off the rails. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, you know, some people who share a testimony who maybe had to come through a lot of adversities in home or relationships, um, different trauma and things like that. I induced all of that myself. So, um, so after college, I, um, I'm a journalist. I'd, I'd always wanted to be a journalist. The only thing I ever wanted to do before journalism was, um, be an astronaut, you know, gave that up at nine and, um, decided at nine, I was going to be a reporter. And, um, when I was in this college church, Calvary Baptist of Morgantown, um, I answered a call into the mission field and I really felt the spirit call me to be a missionary And I came forward, did the whole thing, went through training, did all of this. But then when I graduated college, I was like, no, wait, God, I'm supposed to be a journalist. Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to be a missionary. Mm -hmm. I'll do your calling after I went and became this famous, amazing television reporter and on ESPN, Mm -hmm. not, um, 
not now, not when I'm 22. Like you can have me after I'm done with what I planned God. Right. Yeah. And that's so often what we all do yes. in different ways. I mean, we have different circumstances, different situ- situations in our life. And I would like to go back just for a second, and then we're going to close for today, but continue for next week. Um, when you said the childlike faith, it is important that we have that. And it, and that was part of your faith. You were believing because that's what the Bible said. Mm-hmm. So that's what we do. And sometimes we try to make it more complicated mm-hmm. and think it should be different. But I get also get what you're saying is that you had not grown out of that in a, in a way. Not is that correct? Why. Yeah. I had not yeah. grown out of like but, when you talk to Aurora or Hannah right now yeah. and, and they give you theology. So my theology was childlike, not right. my belief in my it's Because love. the Bible says so. Yeah. Because not the Bible says why. so. Yeah. Not exactly. why. Yeah. Yes. And, and that was the distinction. Yes. Yeah. That I was yep. trying to make. So that's great. So listen, don't go anywhere. Well, you can for today, but, for <laughs> <laughs> but for our next podcast, we're going to continue this. So please stay with us. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you have gleaned something of value that will help you in your day-to-day lives and draw you closer to living fully in who God designed you to be. Until next time, you are beautiful in His sight. If you've been thinking and listening to us and wondering, how can this become a reality in my life? How How can my identity be in Christ? and you've never received him, I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that right now by praying a sinner's prayer. It's a very simple prayer, and it goes like this. Lord, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for my sins. I open up my heart. I ask you to come in. Please forgive me for everything that I've done and help me to walk with you as I follow you in my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to connect with you and help you as you start your life in Christ. Please visit thebestnews.org.